The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. I like to open every episode with a story that's inspiring or compelling, but today my guest's introduction is so inspiring and compelling that that turns out to be the story. Renee King Sonnen is the president and founder of Rowdy Girl Sanctuary and its initiative, the Rancher Advocacy Program in Weldler, Texas. Back in 2009, she remarried her husband, Tommy Sonnen, a multi-generational cattle rancher, and moved to their former ranch in Angleton, Texas. It was there that she had started bottle feeding a baby calf named Rowdy Girl and fell in love with her and all the cows as a result, having no idea that her life was about to transform. After witnessing time and again baby cows going to the sale barn, she became extremely depressed. In October 2014, she went vegan The ranch is now a sanctuary named for Rowdy Girl. This story has been translated into nearly a dozen languages. It's gone viral online. And the Rancher Advocacy Program was created to meet the need that farmers and ranchers can have as they start reaching out to Renee regarding their feelings about the animals they breed and sell. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran, host of the Main Street Vegan podcast and live radio show. If you happen to be listening live on Unity Online Radio, golly, this is going to be fun. Renee was on several years ago, just a short segment, and today we have the luxurious hour to talk all about transformation and history and what it takes for somebody to be themselves and then evolve into themselves at a whole nother level. And nobody can talk about that like Renee King Sonnen. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Victoria. It's so, so good to spend time with you and share space. Um, 
so honored. Thank you. Well, that goes both ways. You are just doing so much good out there. I love what you're doing with the ranchers. We'll get to that. But first, after starting with that story, which I could just see as a children's book, I mean, I could just see the pictures. So maybe that's another project. I know just what you right. need is another project. But tell us the story. Start from the beginning, because I know there's so much to you. You're, you're a country singer. You're a yogi. You've just got so many parts and pieces, and, and they're all intriguing. So just give us your version of how you got from mild-mannered, regular person to vegan powerhouse. Oh, my. You know, um, how did it get started? Well, I guess if I had to say when it actually got started, um, I, you know, I, I grew up in Texas. And I had a collection of leather boots. I was a traditional Texas girl. And I loved animals. Um, a lot. I loved animals. Never made the connections. Um, but I fell in love with um, with a guy that, you know, that uh, didn't have a cattle ranch himself at the time. His family was a multi-generational cattle ranching uh, background you know, from the 1800s, and Tommy was a hunter, and he helped out a lot on, um, you know, on various uh, ranches, and he had land that he uh, leased to ranchers, you know, but we married, and then we divorced, and then remarried, and when, during the time we had been divorced, and the time we remarried in 2010, I moved in in 2009, he acquired a cattle ranch. He worked for Dow Chemical for 40 years, um, and he was going to pick up the ranching baton of his forefathers and become a cattle rancher like his grandpa, great-grandpa before him, and that's what he did, and I was very proud of that fact. Um you know, I, I thought, how cool is it to be married to a cattle rancher? How how Texas is that? And, you know, what better thing can you be doing in the world, you know, you know, except, you know, feeding feeding the world? I mean, I really looked at it that way. You know, but in the background of the way I looked at things, I was also a yogini, a, a serious yogini. I mean, I practiced yoga, but I never connected. Uh, the real spirit of ahimsa with not eating any animal products at all whatsoever. None of my teachers ever taught, taught us that that was, you know, total abstinence. You know, we, we dabbled in it, but it wasn't a thing to be practiced your whole life. And so I married Tommy, and one thing led to the other. Um, I didn't want to be involved in the cattle ranching business. I liked the way the cows looked out there in the pasture, and I enjoyed going out there. And, you know, when I felt like it, doing yoga and meditation and tai chi and stuff like that out there in the pastures with the cows. But I didn't want to, you know, open gates, help with the hay, feed the, you know, I didn't want to do the feeding. I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get in all that. <clears throat> that wasn't my thing uh, until. Uh, until Rowdy Girl showed me a different way. And Rowdy Girl is a little is a cow. Um, because I wouldn't get involved in the business, 
aspects of things, my husband had an ulterior motive. And he decided he was going to coerce me into the business uh, by telling me that there was uh, a couple of cows up the road, a couple of uh, babies up the road that needed a mama. And he knew I had a soft spot for animals, especially little baby animals like that, and that I'd want to feed them, I'd want them. And he told me about them. He said, hey, Renee, you know, there's these two baby calves up the road. Why don't you, you know, buy these calves and bottle feed them? And, um, you know, and that could be like your buy-in to the cattle ranch. And so, anyway, I don't know why I said yes, but I wanted to go see those babies. And I did. And I could not stand it. I bought them, $300 a piece. Rowdy Girl was one of them, and I named the other one Bobo. And Bobo never got her colostrum, I reckon, because she died very young. She didn't She didn't last very long. She had a what the uh, all the cattle ranchers called failure to thrive disease, and she just never could um, get, get her strength, and she died from that lack of first milk from her mama. The Rowdy Girl must have got hers. She thrived, and I bottle-fed her twice a day, every day. And she is the, she's my vegan advocate, Victoria. I mean, she's the one that showed me the sentience of all the animals out in the pastures. I mean, it didn't, it, I didn't go vegan that day, didn't even know I was going vegan. I didn't have any vegan friends, uh, never even thought about the word vegan. But that's what started my journey was bottle feeding a baby calf named Rowdy Girl. Wow. We hear a lot about the separation of the mothers and the babies in dairy farming. But the idea that those of us in cities who look into this get is that it's a lot better on ranches and that the mothers and the babies get to stay together. But from your story, it's sounding like that isn't always the case. Well, it just depends. Um, you know, a lot of what, what I was told was that the reason why they weren't together uh, with their mother is that the mother, you know, was either, there's, there's a few things that could have happened. The mother could have sometimes reject them. The mother could have gotten sold. Um, and, you know, but they, but for whatever reason, these babies didn't have a mother. And it's not typical for a cattle rancher, you know, like cow-calf operation, to pull their the babies off of the mother. It isn't typical at all. Uh, you know, normally the babies uh, stay with the mother for about six to seven months before they're they're sold to auction. So, you know, this was a very non-typical situation. I didn't have the the wherewithal uh, to, to think, well, I wonder why they don't, you know, they don't have a mother. Uh, but I remember Tommy saying that, you know, that the, uh, the babies either were, you know, rejected by the mother or the mamas were sold off or, or you just never know. Who knows? Right. I, I don't know. Well, don't in that know. case, it was meant to be because look at what has come after. So so carry us on a little bit further. You fell in love with Rowdy Girl. You're married to a cattle rancher. You're eating an omnivorous diet. And then. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, the thing is, I lived uh, the life of, um, you know, a cattle rancher. I would take care of 
the cows, you know, the, the babies, uh, until Bobo died, and then it was just me and Rowdy Girl. And I spent a lot of time with her, um, you know, beyond just feeding her, because I started getting lost in a trance with her. Um, she would, she would, she and I had a real connection. And I know now that, you know, I actually commune with cows, but I didn't know it then. All I know is that when I was feeding her, I would get impressions on my soul. Uh, she would, it was like she was transmitting um, information to me. And it was, it's so weird. It didn't like she talked to me like I'm talking to you. It was like I started feeling things I'd never felt before, you know. Uh, I started feeling, you know, really sad about the fact that I knew the babies that were with their mothers out there were going to go to cell barn. I started noticing all the nuances of uh, the animals' identities, what made them unique. I'd never done any of that. I mean, I started listening to the way they sounded. I started watching who they hung out with. And I don't even know why I cared. But the reason I all I know is that Rowdy Girl was communicating with me in a language that turned on something in me to pay attention. And uh, I started paying attention and naming the cows. And it didn't like I just said, oh, there's, you know, there's Sally over there. It was as if, it was as if the cows were telling me who they were. And I was just, repeating it, you know, like, oh, you know, so you're, so you're a white spot, so you're, you know, you're Dominique, whatever. I mean, it was just like, so this is who you are. And uh, anyway, that went on for five years. I mean, it took me five years to, to, to lose my mind, to, to go off the deep end. But um, Rowdy Girl was the catalyst, and there on out, uh, the first time I witnessed the babies going to the cell barn, I didn't know that I was going to have such a horrible reaction. I literally cried for days, um, and I wasn't a vegan. I just, was like I said, I was feeling things I'd never felt. I heard the mamas crying in the, in the pastures for their babies. I watched those babies get loaded onto a trailer and... I could see the betrayal in their eyes when they pulled out of the pasture and onto the highway. Um, this, the the grief-stricken moans, uh, the tears that lasted for days. And my husband tuned it all out. He just was, would go in the house, watch the news, and I was a basket case. And I said to him, don't you hear all that? Hey, does any of this affect you? I, I don't know. You know, this was early on. And he said, I said, I don't know how you could, you could not hear that. He said, Renee, you got to, you know, this is what we do. You, you can't, you can't be acting like this. You know, he, he was trying to tell me, you know, you, you know, this is, this is, you know, the life of a cattle rancher. This is what we do. You know, you can't be naming the cows. You know, you, you can't get attached. I'm like, but how, how do you not? And uh, anyway, one thing led to the other, and I began to make a real problem for him because I couldn't stop hanging out with the cows. 
and Rowdy Girl wouldn't stop talking to me. <laughs> so it was it was a uh, it was a very interesting next few years because I started saying things to my husband that I don't even know where things came from. Like I'd say, "Why don't we eat our own cows?" and you know, I would just say things out of left field, and I don't even know why I would say it except I really felt compelled to understand, you know, what the heck we were doing. I mean, why are we eating hamburgers and T-bones and all that from the grocery store, but we send these cows off to slaughter? I didn't get it. And uh, I don't even know why I cared, except I kept, I had a real close relationship with Rowdy Girl, and I think she, Rowdy Girl, was just waking me up to care, to notice, to ask questions. And were you... Were you concerned at this time that Rowdy Girl was going to be next? That she was no. going to be sold? No, he wouldn't have sold her. Oh. No, uh, no, because at that point, I mean, I, I had made it real clear that he wouldn't take the Rowdy Girl anywhere. You know, I had made that very clear. And, uh, and, and, he, and he wouldn't have done it. Tommy was always a very compassionate person. He, he loved them animals with everything in him. You know, he was just a cattle rancher. And there's a, there's a big, there's a big misnomer in the vegan movement that, you know, cattle ranchers, you know, just don't like animals or they are there, you know, I mean, I understand it because when I went vegan, I was calling my husband a murderer. So I understand that, <laughs> that thought, but uh, quite frankly, you know, cattle ranchers care deeply for animals, but they're in a matrix that yes. that that they have to perform in a certain construct in order to do what they do. Yes. Uh, and in order to feel anything other than, you know, I mean, they feel compassion and love for the animal until it's time to send them to cell barn. And then it's like, okay, we got to do what we got to do. And to feel anything else, they would have to be in a different construct because then they can't make a living at it, you know? Right. You can't make so a living at you know. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. I just was wondering if you could explain to those of us who don't understand that business why some of these younger ones went for sale, some of the older ones went later. How was that determined? Uh, well, the, the usually they're about six to seven months when they go to sale. That's what that's when they go to sale. The the cows that have the babies are, are breeding stock is what they're called. Oh, okay. And then you have, um, then you have bulls, you know, but you only usually have one, one bull and, um, you know, and then, so the, the only way that the older cows or bulls were ever sent to sale is if he was needing to call them for some reason because, uh, they were getting too old. They had serious health problems or something like that, then they would be sent to slaughter. But it's normally the babies, the young ones that got sent to sale. Okay. It's so interesting to look at this from not my, my vegan vantage point, but from from the vantage point of understanding it as a business. And then, of course, that helps to understand the people who are in it and to be able to communicate with them better as you obviously do so powerfully and effectively through the Rancher Advocacy Program. So tell us a little about that. 
Well, yeah, you know, the Rancher Advocacy Program happened as a result of me not being able to send the baby to the cell barn anymore, you know. I mean, the, I mean, it might be hard to understand without folks knowing that we quit doing that. You know, we quit, we quit sending the cows to the cell barn, and not only I became vegan, but my husband. So uh, I think I better make sure. Oops, hang on a minute, please. Sorry, there was a timer going off that I didn't know was on. Anyway, I think it's important to know that, um, you know, my husband, I went vegan October 31st, 2014. Uh, Halloween is, uh, is, uh, is always forever as a memory of mine that I'll never forget. And I always celebrate it for many reasons. And my husband went vegan May 2nd of 2015. It took several years for me to to be unable to send them animals to the cell barn anymore and confront my husband and tell him that, you know, he couldn't do it anymore. I I went vegan as a result of, you know, um, of, of, of just, I had to choose. And the reason I'm, I'm going backwards a little bit, Victoria, because to talk about the Rancher Advocacy Program without telling this part of the story, people would miss it, you know. Uh, Tell the story. <laughs> we love the stories. Yeah, especially people that don't know the story, so they would miss it completely. But um, when I when I was started losing my mind to the point to where I really thought I was going to uh, probably start drinking again, you know, I'm in recovery, and I could not stand myself. I couldn't stand who I had become in all of this. Um, and I wasn't vegan yet, but I was miserable. I hated the business we were in. I had started watching slaughterhouse videos left and right, trying to understand the truth of uh, our industry. I went deep into research of what it means to be a cattle rancher because I just couldn't believe that I was involved in something like this. And, uh, and as I did, I stumbled on not only many slaughterhouse videos that made me cry hours and hours and hours at a time every single day driving my husband insane he would turn up the news louder than me because he couldn't get away from my cries and i stumbled on melanie joy dr melanie joy's uh dissertation on carnism where she talks about that family eating beef stew and uh they come to the conclusion uh during that dinner that they're not eating a cow they're eating a golden retriever and Whenever I heard that, my that was on Halloween 2014. As soon as I heard that, something in me jolted, and I and I knew that something was real wrong because it could have been anybody's body in the in that bowl. It could have been a golden retriever, a cat, a possum, a human. Who knows? It's chopped up dead bodies, you know. And so. Um, that evening, we went to his mother's house. She was having a Halloween little get-together for the family, and, uh, you know, the main course was beef stew. And uh, the, wind in the, the wind in the air was right that day. <laughs> and all I know is as soon as that beef stew came out and she about to serve me, she started to serve me up, I just said out loud, I cannot eat that. And she said very politely, well, why not, Renee? I said, because it's got floating dead hacked up animal bodies in it. I cannot. Oh. 
And I stood it in front of the whole family. They were all talking and they stopped talking and they looked at me like I'd lost my mind. Like, what? You know, they wrinkled up their nose at me like, what? I said, well, it does. It's got floating dead bodies in it. I can't eat it. And my mother-in-law said, well, Renee, you can pick it out. And I said, no, ma'am, there's no more picking it out for me. And at that moment, I went totally into the matrix of veganism. I've not looked back. I made my husband a living, his life a living hell, um, you know, until he went vegan in May. And, you know, and it was during that time period that, you know, I met a lot of vegans in the movement. That's when I, I didn't know any vegans. I didn't, I knew no one. And I started just reaching out frantically because my husband was going to end up selling the whole herd, even the big cows, even the bull calves, even the bulls, all of them. They were all going to slaughter because we were just going to get out of the business and the handwriting was on the wall. Tommy and I were getting a divorce. I mean, it was it was clear our marriage was not going to survive this. I mean, we never said the D word because we'd already been divorced once, and we thought nothing would shake our marriage. And here we were uh, about to, you know, one more time end our marriage, and it was because I went vegan. Who knew? And so, uh, anyway, I, uh, I started getting online, beseeching people to help me. I didn't know what I was doing. All I knew is that those cows went to slaughter. I would either, I don't know what would have happened to me, Victoria. You know, uh, I might have started drinking again. I, I don't know if I could have stood it. You know, I, 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 at the end of the day, I chose the cows over my husband. Not because I was being mean, but because I couldn't. It would be like choosing to send, you know, a bunch of people to slaughter. The cows had become like people to me. The, the, the cat, there was no difference to me between a cow and a person. None. We're not what, in fact... At that point in time, I think I revered cows higher than I did people. <laughs> um, so, you know, and so that's what started it all. I confronted my husband a few days later and told him, you know, I got up the courage because I'd been meeting with some folks uh, online, including Kip Anderson, that gave me a lot of courage to do a fundraiser to buy the cows. And I told Tommy one day out in the middle of the field, I said, hey, if you're going to send those cows up to the cell block, why don't you just sell them to me? He said, sell them to you? How, what, how, what do you mean sell them to you? I said, well, what if, what if I could buy them? What if, what if I could? How much would you sell them to me for? He started laughing at me. And he said, oh, yeah, Renee, you know, right. Okay. And see, we were, we were on the brink of divorce. He said, I'll sell them to you. I could get $35,000, dollars i will sell them to you for thirty. And so I said, all right, and lease me the land for a dollar a year, and you got a deal. Let's stop it there. We've got our break coming, and we are going to continue this story. Oh, my gosh. Renee King-Sonnen, Rowdy Girl Sanctuary. Amazing. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. 
Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Happy morning, afternoon, or evening to you, whether you're driving in your car or walking on the treadmill or out with a wonderful, wonderful dog. I know that you are very much enjoying our time with Renee King Sonnen of Rowdy Girl Sanctuary. You can find the sanctuary at RowdyGirlSanctuary.org and also RowdyGirlSanctuary.org on Facebook, Rowdy Girl Sanctuary on Instagram, and Rancher Advocacy Program on Instagram. But don't worry, you don't have to remember all that because we will put it on the show notes that go up every week alongside um, the version of the podcast that is over there at MainStreetVegan.net. And you can get all of Renee's URLs and find out some wonderful things that she's doing. And while you are over at MainStreetVegan.net, I cordially invite you to take a look at Main. Street Vegan Academy. This is the place where you can have in-depth training. It used to be you had to come to New York City. You had to get yourself here and find a place to stay. Well, now we're on Zoom, and I'm not sure if we're going to be only on Zoom going forward, maybe half and half, but it's easy. And uh, tuition is much lower because we're on Zoom and we still have fabulous uh, instructors, some of the best and the brightest in the vegan and plant-based world. And at the end of it, you are a certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator so that you can go out there in the world to help at an even higher level spread this lifestyle. And if you happen to have an entrepreneurial gene, then maybe you want to start a company like many of our graduates have. So we can look out into the world and see Riverdale cheese and Kat Mendenhall cowboy boots and uh, Bon Ma ice cream in Mexico City, all companies that have come from people who attended Main Street Vegan Academy. So maybe you'll want to too. Now let's get back to this just enchanting, endearing, and wonderful conversation with one of my favorite people in the whole world, Renee King Sonnen. So you're telling us what happened, and I'm interested in your husband. He must love you like the Dickens. Oh, he does. He just left. He was here. He just walked out. He's outside fixing to go to the post office. I started to put him on the phone, but I thought, you know, he's on a mission. But- uh. <laughs> <laughs> so does, how, you know, do you do you believe that when he went vegan and and was willing to you know sell you the cows and and all that 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 was all the things we do for love that was all about what he feels about you or do you think he was already starting to have that heart opening about the cows as well oh no it was all it was it was all for the relationship he had no heart opening for the cows uh, you know, it's not that he didn't love cows, like care about them, you know, but he didn't have the kind of 
you know, your cattle ranchers are conditioned to not feel those kind of feelings for those animals. Mm-hmm. That, you can't do the business otherwise. There's no way you can do it. So, no, he wasn't having that. He didn't have that until after, um, much after. He went he went uh, plant-based, and then he started having the environmental understanding of things, and then Dr. Campbell turned him around, um, you know, for the uh, for the food. That's what got him for the food. And then uh, Kip uh, on the environment, and then bit by bit, as he relaxed around the notion that he didn't have to take these animals to the cell barn anymore, he began to say things like, man, it feels so good to not have to take these cows to the cell barn. And you and I would watch him out of the corner of my eye when he would be out with the cows, loving on them, laying out in the pasture with them. You know, that man, that man was so happy he never had to send those cows to the slaughter again. And so um, now he's an ethical vegan. But, you know... It's still even hard for him sometimes to not have, you know, serious compassion for cattle ranchers because, you know, his great-grandpa and grandpa were all cattle ranchers, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we are, for for much of our lives and for many people for all of our lives, you know, what, what we came into. And I even wonder some about what we get genetically. Now on the health side, we're learning all this stuff about epigenetics and that we can actually do things so that our offspring can have better health. And I wonder if something like this mentality you're talking about, this we love the cows, but then we have to bring that line down because then all of a sudden it becomes business. You know, that's just so, um, not not only told to young people growing up in, you know, the FFA and the 4-H and all that, but I just wonder if there's even a genetic component and bless his heart, you're, you're Tommy, he's, he's turned it all around and you are trying to do this with other ranchers and farmers. So, do they come to you? Do you go to them? Do you go to fairs and put up a little sign? You want to not raise animals anymore? How does it work? <laughs> oh, no, they come to me. Uh, they come to me and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a program of attraction, not promotion. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really promote it because, you know, I have learned that if I'm out there promoting the cattle ranchers, to change what they're doing, that's the last thing they're going to do. Uh, there's no real good models yet for them to transition to. That's what the, what Rancher Advocacy Program is doing is creating, you know, pathways so that we can have those models, you know. Um, and we got two public service announcements we we're, that are coming out in a few days. Uh, Jane Velez Mitchell is, you know, on our board, and she's my partner. On the Rap Summit, uh, my co-host, which is, uh, uh, you know, a great, she's a a force to be reckoned with. But anyway, she she, uh, and I are producing, um, or executively producing, two PSAs that are going to be directed to, one, the farmer, and then two, the plant-based industry. The farmer PSA is going to be all about you know, telling the farmer, you know, hey, ain't it time, you know, to go from farming animals to, to plants? I mean, with all the plant-based 
food industry uh, companies booming right now. You know, why not, you know, jump on board and, and uh, be part of a, a positive change, you know. So we got that PSA going out, and then we got another one to plant-based industry that's saying, hey, you know, you, you, you need fava beans, you need pineapple for, for leather, do you need mushrooms for some kind of packaging, do you need, you know, whatever it is, you know, peas for Beyond Meat, whatever it is, you know, why not partner with the farmer instead of sourcing your ingredients from overseas? So what a great idea. Wow. Narrative. Huh? That's fantastic. Yeah, we're so, setting up the narrative this way so that we'll get the phone to ring from both ends because it doesn't even do any good to have a farmer want to transition if you don't have plant-based companies that want to transition with them, that want to be yes. part of the journey. So we can tell these stories. And we have documentary filmmakers that are, that, are, that are willing to do that. I mean, we have folks, you know, that would love to go on a journey watching farms transition. Uh, and so I'm really trying to streamline the process uh, of getting farmers to plant-based companies. And then I'm also um, on the other side of it working with, you know, advisors that have, you know, like investors, impact investors, green investors, you know, folks that, that really want to put money in these types of um, sustainable pro programs. So I grew up in Missouri, and I, I was had some time on my hands last summer and decided I would Google my maiden name, which I stopped using in 1977. And I didn't know if anything from that kind of antiquity had made it onto the Internet, but a few things had, and they were protests and vigils and animal things that I did back in the day. And I can remember even that long ago, the the farmers would always say, but I can't grow anything on my land. Is is that a, a relevant argument? Is it one that you still get? And what's the answer? Yeah, some farmers do say that because the land is so um, eroded. The soil is so horrible from being packed down, you know, by hooves, you know, day in, day out, that it, nothing else will grow on it. Or because they live in a real rocky, you know, terrain. I mean, part of, you know, the process that the farmer and the plant-based industries will have to, you know, whoever they decide to partner with, they're going to have to decide, you know, what kind of, whether it be a crop, it could be a building. You don't have to necessarily grow in the ground. You know, in today's world, you can grow in buildings. I mean, these former chicken farms, you know, can take these big 20,000-square-foot sheds and convert them into, you know, mushrooms, mushrooms, uh, flowers. I mean, all kinds of plants, you know, greenhouses, um, you know, vertical farming. I mean, there's other ways to, to, to farm without putting plants in the dirt. Wow. Now, do you ever find that it's one spouse that comes to you for the rancher advocacy help and the other spouse is a little bit like you and Tommy were in the beginning? One wants to change, one doesn't. We were talking about the, the farmer and rancher advocacy, and you had explained that, you know, things that can be grown indoors and yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So let me just start with, so if anybody is interested in uh, the rancher advocacy work that you do, how would someone find you for that? 
Well, if someone's interested in uh, the Ranch for Advocacy program, they can go to rancheradvocacy.org. And uh, as soon as these two PSAs uh, launch, you know, whether you're a farmer, a plant-based food, a plant-based company, or a investor, you'll be able to fill out a form. And that form will come to me, and I'm going to kind of be a matchmaker. I'm going to be putting farms and companies together, and then I'll be talking to some of my financial advisors on appropriate investment, um, you know, opportunities that they could uh, tie into. So that's the way that's the way the Rancher Advocacy Program is developing. Um, you know, because we have a real you know, healthy network source, and the main thing is just to get the ball rolling, to get folks together, and to tell these stories, you know, um, and, and we don't have a lot of time, you know, Victoria. So the plant-based food companies, the investors, and the farmers, you know, are all going to be able to, you know, come together, you know, through the program, and it's time to tell their stories, because we don't have a lot of time, I don't think, left on our planet. Yes, it's very serious. And and it's also very hopeful. And I love that you're working the way you are as as you're talking. I'm thinking about, you know, we're we're so divided as a country and everybody doesn't understand everybody else and all that. But here you're really doing something that is just such a uniting force where you're reaching out to people who wouldn't ordinarily get along. <laughs> You talked about recovery, that that wonderful concept of we're like passengers in a great liner who ordinarily wouldn't mix. Well, mm -hmm. you've got that going on with the vegans and the ranchers, and I absolutely <laughs> love it. So I want to ask you something, Renee. I, I know you said earlier that you're a, a serious uh, yoga a practitioner, and it's interesting to me that at least the vegetarian part wasn't clearly communicated to you through all those years of yoga. So what do you think those of us who are involved in yoga and who are vegans can do in, in a respectful and non-threatening way to get this message out to other people who are studying this philosophy? Well, I do a, a clubhouse a room called Yoga is Vegan with Holly Scotus. Um, every single Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time. That's exactly what we're doing. And uh, so it's, a, it's, it's not that I wasn't taught about vegetarianism. It wasn't enforced as a way of life. It was like, this is what, you know, you should try and do. It wasn't like, you know, um, mandated. It was experimenting with these things, you know. Uh, and so... And I and I know today because I have so many Indian friends that being vegetarian they think that's enough, and it isn't, you know. And so we have to start stepping up the narrative, you know. That it's time to go meatless every day. I launched a campaign. If you go on my Instagram, you can see it. It's called Meatless Every Day. You know, Meatless Monday started 18 years ago, and it's not that it's a bad. It was a bad campaign, but it's time to, to it's time to do it every day now. Meatless Monday's had its run for 18 years, and if we just go Meatless Monday for the rest of uh, the rest of time, we'll fall off the we'll, our, we'll fall off the planet Earth. We won't have a planet. We got to go Meatless every day. 
And so, uh, you know, it's been 18 years. I mean, Meatless, Meatless Monday was in many, many countries, translated in many languages. And so if we could get that same type of narrative and reach with a Meatless Every Day campaign, uh, then how great would that be? And I think that's what's missing in the yoga community, quite frankly, is the fact that we don't stress to students, to practitioners, that that being a vegan, that being an ethical vegan is is what it's all about. I mean, just like cattle ranching, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago might have been okay from the sense of it wasn't destroying the planet like it is now. It still wasn't okay for the animals. Uh, and but you know, just like in the uh, ancient uh, scriptures, you know, when they were when they were using milk and ghee and all this, you know, it might have been okay back then. But when you when you really consider the logic of taking milk from cows, what's really involved in taking the breast milk from another cow and the fact that their baby is deprived, when you really think about what's involved, you've, you've got to know that that's not right. And so it's, if, if Jesus himself was here, if Buddha was here right now, they would look at what we're doing to these animals and, and, and want to, you know, I, I can't imagine what they, what they think. Uh, you know, and so when people use religion as a as a way to defend their actions, I always say stuff like, "Well, do you really think if Jesus or Buddha or Krishna were here right now in our, you know, at a, at a slaughterhouse, you know, at a uh, at a veal at a veal yard where where just thousands of cows, baby cows, calves are just stacked one on top of the other next to each other? Do you really think if they were in the chicken uh, facility, and they saw hundreds of thousands of chickens, you know, crammed together, that they would bless that? See, they wouldn't. No no spiritual figure in any religion would bless the mess that we've created in the name of animal agriculture. No one. Maybe hundreds of thousands of years ago, it seemed innocent, but it sure isn't now. And the only way we're going to get out of this mess is to go meatless every day. We can't, we can't, you know, keep taking baby steps because baby steps, quite frankly, just like milk, is for babies. Mm. Well, amen to that. So your your Instagram is is that a new Instagram handle? Meatless every day? No, it's a hashtag. Uh, hashtag meatless every day. Girl, it's a rowdy girl sanctuary campaign. Okay. Cool. I love that. Well, I'm going to be hashtagging meatless every day all over everywhere. I'm doing a lot with Instagram these days, too, since I went for Panchakarma in May. And I have been doing vegan Ayurveda very consistently. So I'm chronicling that on Instagram. And it's really fun to hear what people say and and have some uh, interaction there so I'm uh, Victoria Moran author if you're an Instagram person and want to be connected so gosh Renee in just the two and a half minutes that we have left if you could tell the world anything what would it be gosh you know get out of your comfort zone and 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 do this you know eat vegan for the right reasons today uh, I mean, it's just so important. And, you know, two and a half minutes. So, yeah, I think I 
I said what I wanted to say about the Meatless Every Day campaign, but, you know, I, I don't know what else to say other than that. I mean, that's, I, I said it then. I, I would encourage people to, you know, follow the documentaries that we're in, uh, share documentaries out to people. You know, I don't know what else to say. Really, I, I said it all in that Meatless Every Day bit. You did. And it's so interesting to see what it takes and we've we put so much out there about this and then sometimes it just seems like the universe is helping i mean rowdy girls showed up in your life and look at what you've done and so i just think especially if we're committed vegans and we get discouraged and we feel like there's not enough time left to just look at truly the miracle of rowdy girl I think we yeah. can get this done. Rowdy girl herself, is, she's still with us. She still communicates to me. Uh, I'm writing the book. Jane Velez Mitchell is, uh, is, is writing the book with me. And, you know, uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot in store for the Rowdy Girl story. Uh, it, will uh, be, it, it will be a legacy. I am sure there is, and there is a lot in store for Renee King Sonnen, too. So everybody, check this amazing woman out, rowdygirlsanctuary.org. Everything will be in the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Thanks to you, Renee. Thanks to Unity Online Radio. And thanks to all my wonderful listeners. God bless you, seriously. And uh, eat your veggies. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.